Newsbreak podcast. A very warm welcome to Newsbreak Talk this afternoon. I'm Tarir Shadi Prashad bringing you some cutting edge current affairs as the country still has a bit of a um I think the word would be hang up <laughs> over the inauguration of President Cyril Ramaphosa. Monumentous day yesterday in Pretoria. Newsbreak was there and we brought you exclusive content live from the scene. And now we're back here in studio to give you the opportunity to give your thoughts on this and to talk about it and to call us and let us know exactly um, you know, what some of your ideas going forward is for, I think, what was billed in Pretoria as the new dawn for South Africa. Yes, President Cyril Ramaphosa t- uh, took his own of office yesterday, uh, vowing to protect the constitution, vowing to enshrine it and to ensure that no harm comes to it. And of course, he made several other statements about the state of South Africa 25 years into democracy, where South Africa needs to go, some of the ideas and strategies that he may have for it. Of course, not too much of timeline, statistics or numbers given in that inauguration address. But nonetheless, uh, a bit of a reassurance, many say, to citizens of South Africa about where South Africa would ideally find itself going forward. So I think before we get into our actual conversation today, um, let's talk about um, exactly um, what the president had to say yesterday. Uh, it was a, you know, a major significant time for him as he managed to uh, ensure that um, he would take his oath of office and at the same time, ensure that both, um, you know, South Africans alongside dignitaries were able to celebrate this event. So when we come back, uh, we talk about um, the inauguration and we actually find out some of the crux of the main points that President Ramaphosa laid out yesterday. The SABC News mobile app is your one-stop digital portal to all the news you need. Stay connected with the latest in breaking news. Watch the SABC News channel along with clips and live streams of all the big news events. And listen to all the SABC News radio stations live, including podcasts and much more. Simply download the SABC News app to your Android or iOS device from either the Play Store or the App Store. SABC News. Independent. Impartial. Yes, well, as promised, President Cyril Ramaphosa says he's humbled by the trust bestowed upon him to lead South Africa for the next five years. He was speaking during his inaugural speech at the Loftus Fairsfeld Stadium yesterday in Pretoria. Uh, Ramaphosa is the fourth president to be inaugurated since 1994. His inauguration was attended by former presidents F.W. de Klerk, Thabo Mbeki, Khalima Mutlante, and as well as his peers from across the continent and representatives from the BRICS countries, the U.S. and the U.K., among others. Our political correspondent, Ndebo Mokobo, reminds us about some of the salient points raised by the president yesterday. In the presence of everyone assembled here, and in full realization of the high calling, I assume as President of the Republic of South Africa, I, Matamera Cyril Ramaphosa, swear that I will be faithful to the Republic of South Africa and will obey, observe, uphold, and maintain the Constitution and all law of the Republic. The President-elect, would you please raise up your right hand and say, so help me God. So help me God. Sony. 
President Cyril Ramaphosa taking the oath of office as the country's democratically elected president. Although thankful to South Africans for choosing him to lead Africa's most industrialized country, he is well aware of the challenges ahead. I am humbled by the trust that you have bestowed upon me and I'm also aware of the challenges our country faces but I'm also alive to the fact that our people are filled with hope for a better tomorrow. As a nation, we therefore can no longer abide the grave disparities of wealth and opportunity that have defined our past and which threaten to imperil our future. It is our shared will to build a society that knows neither privilege nor disadvantage. The president also vowed to work to end poverty in the next 25 years, insisting that working together with all social partners, a society that all South Africans are longing for, is possible. Let us declare our shared determination that we shall end poverty in South Africa within a generation. Let us declare that when we gather to celebrate the 50th year of our freedom, there shall no longer be any person in this land who is unable to meet their basic needs, that there should be no child who goes to bed hungry, and every person who wants to work will have a reasonable opportunity to find employment. And having his inauguration on Africa Day, Ramaphosa reaffirmed the country's commitment to work with its sister republics in the continent to realize the African Union's vision of Agenda 2063. Today we reaffirm our determination to work with our sisters and brothers across the continent to build the Africa that all Africans want, to forge a free trade area that stretches from Cape Town to Cairo, bringing growth and opportunity to all African countries, to silence the guns and let peace and harmony reign. Today, we declare that our progress as South Africa in all our endeavors cannot be separated from the onward march of our beloved continent, Africa. And after taking the oath of office, it will soon be down to business for the president. On Monday, President Ramaphosa is expected to appoint his deputy and announce his cabinet. He is also expected to set the tone of his new administration when he delivers his State of the Nation address which is set for the 20th of June. Top on his priority list will be to intensify his fight against corruption and fix state-owned enterprises. And on the economic front, the President will talk about additional measures to attract investment and stimulate job creation. So far, his drive to attract 1.4 trillion rent in investment, which he announced when he took over last year, has managed to bring in over 280 billion rent in just over a year. I am Tebumokobo in Pretoria. SABC3 brings you season 32 of Survivor Cow Wrong. This season features players divided into three tribes of Siths based on dominant attributes. 
brains, brawn and beauty. It is known as the most punishing season of Survivor due to the record-breaking number of medical evacuations. Do not miss it. SABC3, Monday evenings at 7.30pm from the 13th of May. Newsbreak talk. It's going to just before quarter past one. I'm Tadej Hari Prashad, keeping you updated. Yes, we are focusing post-inauguration. We're talking about your thoughts and on what emerged yesterday, some of the issues raised. We'd love to also give you the opportunity to talk about it. And I think we're also going to wrap it up by talking about that big announcement expected on Monday. Uh, we'll be told on Monday. Who knows what may happen during that time. Um, this is South Africa after all and we are quite, uh, you know, we've had it before where we had clandestine middle of the night discussions about who ministers are likely to be. So we wait eagerly. Official word coming through is that it's going to be on Monday, but we will keep you posted as we get the latest. So I'm very happy to be joined in studio now by Brian Mklongo. Of course, Brian is the Senior Programs Officer at the Democracy Development Program. Brian, great to have you in studio. It's been a long time. Thank you very much, Suresh. Uh, of course, you guys have been doing quite a bit of traveling across the country to cover the very important elections as well as the uh, yeah. inauguration. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, specifically um, talking about that, it was quite a lot to take in yesterday. Mm. And to bring it back home now and dissect it, I think it's very important for the audiences to actually, mm. for South Africans to understand, you know, where democracy is intended. On that note then, Brian, I mean, you saw it as well. Um, your thoughts on, on, on what emerged, just yeah. the overall cocoon of the speech yeah um not even even before the speech i think the the move to move the 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 inauguration itself away from um union building yeah. which some can perceive as sort of um high um places where only some people are privileged enough to be in that space but to move it to a, a place where it's welcoming to the entirety of south africa so there's a, a as, as an early indication of the type of presidency that uh, Mr. Ramaphosa would like to lead, one that is open to the public, one that they can actually engage on a one-on-one basis. Um, but in terms of the overall arches of the speech, you would see that from the president's perspective, um, there's a real intentionality behind uniting South Africa around this concept of the new dawn. Some of us have become quite cynical over the, the past yeah, year because yeah. we would have liked to see changes at much more radical, r- rapid speed. But, uh, but of course, um, now that he's actually gotten into power democratically, elected, um, as opposed to just sort of assuming power as a result of being the next in line. Um, I think that he has the ability to action quite a few of the things that he's talking about. Part of his speeches was talking about making sure that the the African Union, um, he's able to recognize some of the values of the African Mm. Union in a more prominent sense. And so, with South Africa taking this position as um, one of the better countries, one of the more significant um, and democracies in, in, in Africa. We want to see our positionality in relation to that growing so quite significantly. Um, he also makes the right sort of noises when it comes to protection of women and ensuring that women themselves have their own agency in this country, um, which yeah. is something that for the past two years has been quite significant, both in South Africa as well as across the world. Um, mm. And of course, we we saw the trend about, you know, Tumamina yeah. and sort of his appointment into that space um, being as a direct, direct result of the people sending him into that space. And yeah. for, so constantly, his intention is to be both transparent as well as accountable yeah. um, through the mayor's machinery. Of course, as we were talking before we got on air, is that um, the speech itself was a, was a call 
to action yeah. as opposed to specifying what those individual actions would likely be. Yeah. But in terms of the, the, the whole, on the whole, his speech um, did touch the right notes yeah. for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, take into account that the State of the Nation address is now expected. We've had one already in February mm. at, the st- at the opening of Parliament. But after a cabinet is dissolved and a, you know, a, a new cabinet is appointed, a new president is inaugurated um, in an election year, basically there must be two State of the yeah. Nation addresses. So there's going to be likely more time frames with regard to what was spoken about yesterday, but still to dissect it, Brian. But uh, I want to remind you at home, um, this is an interesting one. We're asking you today on WhatsApp if you could uh, text us. Um, who do you think should make the cabinet? Talk to me about the cabinet. Who should make it? Which ministers would you like to see representing you and your uh, portfolios? Also, should cabinet be um, cut? Should it be reduced? Should it be shortened? Um, I'd love to know from you. Now, let's take it forward. Let's look at the next angle. Let's talk about the cabinet. You can also call me in a short while. I'll open up the phone lines and we'll we'll take the conversation forward about what you'd like your cabinet to look like. Brian, interesting point. And you, you mentioned, you know, the fact that it's... Um, you mentioned the fact that it's it's likely to be, um, you know, it's a, almost like a rebirth, almost. You know, mm. but I want to ask you, what's the difference between the past eighteen months and yeah. now for President Cyril Ramaphosa? So what you would have found is that when pre- the former President Zuma resigned from office, um, President Ramaphosa would have gotten into the space of starting to redo or undo a lot of the the, the problems that had manifested during um, Zuma's time in, in in office. So it was about just damage control mostly for the, for, for the past and creating an image that there is some work that both the ANC as well as the incoming president will likely do in reshaping the politics of the country. We were stuck in a position where we were faced by accusations around Guptas, around um, issues uh, of maladministration and corruption quite significantly in, in, in our country. So to re- redo that in quite, in quite a short period of time would have taken, um, um, would have been quite a mountain to climb. So what we can see now, at least in some in some forms, is that he has democratic legitimacy. He didn't just ascend to power on the basis of the ANC putting yeah. him in that in that place. Yeah. Um, because quite a lot of the ANC's campaign wasn't just about vote for the ANC, which is quite different from 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 the past. It was also about vote for a man you can trust, who um, they had deemed to be Ramaphosa, a man who will change the country for the better because of the various things that he holds. So, based on that democratic legitimacy, there's a likelihood that he will he will have a much more significant ability to action a lot of the things that he yeah. aimed to do so. Whereas yeah. he couldn't have done that um, in the past 18 months because of the fear that he might necessarily be pushed out too quickly out of that, that, that position. Yeah. Because managing the fa- factions within the ANC, as well as all of the sort of um, um, networks around the ANC, around tenderpreneurship and all of those other corrupt activities, means that you have to weigh up um, what it is that you that you pursue at, at at different stages in time. So if you were to 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 be too presumptuous in some of these actions, he would have been caught at the back foot, um, and likely the ANC could have taken some action against him yeah. even before he ascended to presidency. Right now, you know, at the beginning of it all, um, when it emerged that Cyril Ramaphosa was going to be the president, like I said, eighteen mm. months ago, uh, I think a great deal of criticism and discussion, um, a question was does he have enough clout within the ANC? Mm. Can they rein him in? Can he affect change? Can he make policies and action? Mm. Your thoughts on where that stands now? Um, 
I think he's still going to be questioned quite a bit for the past, maybe in the next two years. Um, I think for him, what he needs to try and do is focus not necessarily on the internal dynamics of the ANC, because at the moment he has legitimacy in governance, at least for the first year and a half, to focus on actually putting the country in a better position. I think the ANC is likely to follow follow through on that instance and say, listen, we've gotten some confidence back from the public on the basis of this man's actions, right? Mm. So if we want to continue and maintain our position as the leading party in South Africa, we must learn from what he's doing and actually um, work in that, in that, in that trajectory. Yeah. Yeah, so, you, know, yeah. you know, I asked that, Brian, because... Uh, a a bit of a whispering at uh, at elections, mm. you know, between Secretary General Esmagashule and I think it was Fikile Mbalula who spoke about, you know, the role Sil Ramaphosa, the debate rather, the role uh, Sil Ramaphosa played in ensuring the victory mm. for um, for the ANC, of course, uh, Esmagashule. And, you know, we don't need to get into the history yeah, and definitely. the power play of, 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 of that dynamic. Mm. But, um, you know, suggesting that, you know, the ANC won based on the merit of the ANC, whereas Mikila mm. Mbaluda is saying, of course, it's based on, you know, the figurehead as Ramaphosa compared to the regime change. Now. Yeah. So uh, when one takes a bit of that into account, you get the sense that it's still not all that rosy, mm. you know, 18 months, almost two years from Nazrek. Definitely. And if you look at the ways in which the ANC appointed its premiers, um, Northwest was was one of the outstanding provinces insofar as who would be nominated until maybe a day or two later. They then announced who the the incoming um, um, premier would be because there were still questions around will Supra want to actually get his position back in that instance. So you can sense that there's a lot of internal work still happening even when uh, positions around government are decided. So yeah. to a lot of a, a lot of instances, you, if, if Ramaphosa was arrogant about his position inside the ANC and if he didn't care about the ANC, um, he would have appointed whoever he wanted as premier. Yeah. But yeah. because he's aware of the internal dynamics, he gave it a day or two to actually hold back and say, actually, um, this is potentially what we need to try and do um, before we, we get into a space where we're ruffling yeah. each other's feathers. Yeah. So there's some negotiation yeah. happening inside Absolutely. the ANC. Brian, I'm going to put you on the spot now and, mm. uh, and apologize in <laughs> advance. So South Africa has had five presidents mm. and only four were president. Only four were present at the inauguration. Mm. Your thoughts on that? Uh, no, definitely. <laughs> the, the unfortunate thing is that um, whenever someone of, who feels aggrieved by actions that have been yeah. done against him, and that will will generally not come through. I think I was reading a tweet yesterday from 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 one of the political commentators who said we we potentially underestimate the impact um, that jousting for positions would, would would have on people. So the tweets were saying even um, at the time when Ramaphosa himself was denied the position of, of deputy presidency in 1994, he wasn't present at that inauguration because of, the, yeah. of, yeah. of he was disgruntled, he was unhappy right. with uh, Mandela's um, 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 decision to not make him deputy president. Um, so you see, in, in this very same instance, um, even l- l- um, with um, the absence of Jacob Zuma, he, doesn't, he didn't appreciate being asked to step down at yeah. the time when he did. And so because of that, he wasn't present. But of course, some would say... Um, even with that, he was still able to campaign for the ANC yeah. um, towards the elections itself, even though there were some murmurings about yeah. other things being done on the right, side. Right. Yeah. I think uh, conspicuous in his absence, <laughs> then, that just really fits fits the profile. We'll talk about some more issues and points now, but remember, you can call us 089-310-8789. Um, phone line's still giving us a bit of a glitch, so we're going to try our best to take your calls through. 
Call us, let us know your thoughts. We are also going to be focusing on cabinet toward the latter part of the program. But right now we're talking about, you know, where uh, the presidency stands, where government stands, and ultimately what does that mean then for you as a nation? Give us a call 089-310-8789. I'm also going to go to WhatsApp in a short while. It's Newsbreak Talk and we're doing a uh, rap discussion now of the presidential inauguration. News from the TV license office. With our new SMS balance inquiry function, you can now get your TV license balance conveniently on your cell phone. SMS your ID number or TV license number to 44210 and voila. 44210. Standard SMS rates apply, quick and easy. TV licenses make a difference. Millions of children around the world are taken from their families due to various negative circumstances, be it substance abuse, child neglect, trafficking, or abandonment. Trauma of this nature leaves a scar that could last a lifetime. World Foster Day on 31 May is about writing a new story. Join this movement by taking part in their Happy Family social media campaign. Visit worldfosterday.org or catch us on social media. Hashtag World Foster Day. This is a SABC Foundation-supported initiative. Okay, we're going to go to WhatsApp now to find out your thoughts on where the country is headed and some of your thoughts based on yesterday's proceedings. President Cyril Ramaphosa, now the fourth inaugurated president of the South Africa, the fifth of the Republic, and your thoughts going forward. So we've got a message from Mr. Louis Pelain Centurion. Our president, Cyril Ramaphosa, will change South Africa for the better, being a, business, being a business person with experience and knowing economic knowledge as well. South Africa will have a clean government, working with the poorest of the poor, disadvantaged, underprivileged, and the unemployment um, will shake the tree so that all the rotten fruit, dead wood, and dry leaves must fall. With this in mind, our non-functional ministers will drop off. So there you go. That's there from Mr. Louis Play in Centurion. Um, here's another message that has come through. Um, okay, you can yeah, you can still call us. It's oh eight nine three one zero eight seven eight nine. That's the number we'll be uh, taking calls on today. Um, and then here's another message. This is from Francis in Fingham Heights. Well, it's time that South Africa has a president who has gone to school, has integrity, and is prepared to continue where Mandela has left. Um, interesting point that. I think um, I don't know if, if, if we've dissected that fully, and I think, I think we must now when we talk about it. Um, from Rajan Rajkumar in Cape Town, the president touched on crime, unemployment, poverty, alleviation and education, amongst other things. It's time for action and not words. This is not impossible. Let's not wait for the government only to do things. We as civilians must also come to the party. Together we can achieve and take and make a difference. Uh, interesting points there. Very, very too mamina like the sentiment coming through from Rajan Rajkumar. So Anonymous tells us a momentous occasion that filled my family and I with patriotism and joy to be among our fellow citizens from the early hours of the morning to celebrate in the grandstands was the experience of a lifetime. The camaraderie that prevails in events like this shows the goodwill that is existent among South Africans. However, the absence of our communities is a cause for concern. We continue to resist any form of social interaction, yet complain about being marginalized. People would rather spend time at malls or brides rather than celebrate with our fellow citizens. Forget about other tags. We are South Africans first. Powerful point there. Uh, yes, I think when you talk about um, 
when you talk about um, the issue of, you know, everybody working together, coming together, you've got a question, are South Africans taking up that call? Beautiful point, because this is something that really came up specifically during the Durban floods. I didn't hear, this is from Anonymous, I didn't hear the president mention anything about climate change. And many activists have been saying climate change and issues of the environment not very high on the national agenda. So those were the comments coming through on WhatsApp. You can also call us at 9 I do want to hear your thoughts on the cabinet. Who do you want to see as ministers? Who needs to stay? Who needs to go? Must cabinet be chopped? Uh, who should be on the chopping block? I'd love to know your thoughts on Cabinet 089-310-8789. Brian, of course, is joining us today. Brian Mklongo from the Democracy Development Program. And there you go. Quite a lot of, I think, like you said, I mean, you know, he uh, the speech hit the right notes and got, uh, you know, South Africans quite um, energized and invigorated. You know, this message here from Francis about the fact that um, South Africa now has a president that has gone to school. You know, uh, and and coming from the uh, the academic, uh, you know, the academic world yourself, Brian, mm. how important is that for a president, specifically in the Republic of South Africa? I think so. The value of of formal schooling is quite significant in the ways in which people will govern. Um, and specifically, when you're looking at what sort of strategies should we be putting in place for the growth of the country in its totality. Um, but what I w- in terms of that, I would err on the side of caution because whilst most people um, who were struggle heroes and, and all of those uh, people would have not gone to formal schooling, there would have been some process of education that would have gone themselves. Um, I think the critique of Jacob Zuma is someone who would have not gone to school is sort of um, elementary in, 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 in its thinking. Because um, yeah. if you consider the, 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 the extent to which um, Zuma himself had been in significant leadership positions within the ANC, as well as um, and, and manning the intelligence of the ANC mm-hmm. would, 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 would be significant to consider. But also, a man for, for, for Zuma's um, likening, for instance, who hadn't gone to school, yes, but was able to master more than just his own home language, um, we, might be, um, we might be looking at it in, 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 in a very elementary way. Yeah. But of course, the, not, with, with Ursula Maposa, there's, there's a different type of education that comes in because it's important for specifically for a country like ours that's a developing state that needs um, access to financial resources, that needs access to strategic international alliances, that there's um, someone who is in that space who has the awareness of what the tools of the economy and trade, what the languaging around those sort of creating those strategic partnerships would need to look like. So I think that's the value that he brings on board, specifically because of his ties um, to potential investors to the country and, and looking at what are the strategic moves that he would need to shift around for the benefit of this country. You know, I spoke and I put this question, this brief discussion with a prominent Durban businessman, um, Mr. Vivian Reddy, who was at the inauguration. And um, I wanted to talk to him about business because, you know, of course, of his background. And Mm. um, I said to him that while the president has gone on lots of roadshows, investor roadshows, you know, bringing a, a million rand of investment, yeah. etc. all of that. Um, you know, it's wonderful for big business and, and it's likely going to have some sort of impact for them. Um, but the masses are crying for it. And at what point does it filter down to them? So you got a question about, you know, the macro versus micro um, aspect of it and your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, definitely. I think this is where... So 
Cyril is not only just in a position to differentiate himself from Jacob Zuma's presidency, but he also has to significantly distance himself from the patterns of Tawimbeke's presidency. So when you have an aloof leader, someone who feels that they are more educated, have more access to Western liberal ways of thinking, um, they generally forget the ways in which how to transform uh, at, from grassroots levels. And I think the lack of transformation at grassroots levels is exactly the ways in which we found ourselves in a position where we had to elect someone who wasn't necessarily the best fit for the type of presidency that you, we might want to see. And so if he fails to make the connection between grassroots transformation and economic transformation, um, he, we will likely end up in a situation where we unfortunately exposed to despotism in this country. And yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I think, the, I think the point then becomes, you know, South Africa doesn't need a businessman. South mm. Africa doesn't need an academic. South yeah. Africa needs a president. Exactly. Someone who's able to lead, having cognizance of what the people of the country actually require for their own development and growth. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go to the phone lines then. I see we've got somebody calling through, but we are going to uh, get some response on a lot of these WhatsApp texts that we received. Um, and we are trying our best to try and take as much calls as we, you know, we possibly can. So go ahead, call us 089-310-8789. The views and opinions expressed on Newsbreak Talk do not represent those of SABC News or Lotus FM. So somebody who can't get enough of Newsbreak is Mr. Louis Pillay because he WhatsApped us and now he called us. Mr. Pillay. Good afternoon to you. Firstly, before I forget, I want to thank your Newsbreak team for the coverage yeah. and bringing it to us, to our own. And I'm living in Pretoria, and, you know, to see what is happening and the planes that we're going out, and, you know, the various activities that yeah. happen in Pretoria. I want to thank you for the coverage as well as Felicia and Sama Patel. I think you did a fantastic job. And I'll take my hat out for you. And Thanks so much. I want to, yeah, I also want to bring, you've got a guest in the studio, I welcome him to Lotus FM as well. I want to say that Cyril Ramaphosa is a complete states person. Yeah. But if you look at Jacob Zuma, he is more like a community leader. He can govern that side of the thing, do local jobs, in terms of feeding schemes and what have you. He is a separate thing altogether. He's on a different role, and what he does locally is different compared to what Cyril can do for us in changing South Africa in terms of job creation, helping the unemployed people. I think that comes first. I think, I think the most thing that will come out now is your service delivery. And service delivery, delivery is a very big thing. We've got people from outside South Africa living in South Africa that are protesting. And we have, we've got so much of demonstrations that take place. These are not South Africans. But they don't pay rates. They don't pay for levies. They don't pay rates. But they want service. And it's a very difficult thing to handle. Maybe your guests can elaborate on that as well. I want to thank your team for the fantastic piece of work. Thank you. Wonderful. We appreciate Mr. Pillay and of course you know, you're know you the reason we do it. So the call to, call to um, you know, action is basically to provide South Africans with the information they need. Interesting points there, uh, Brian. We'll come to it. Um, keep keep calling us 089-310-8789 but yeah, we were talking about um, 
you know, uh, some of the WhatsApps that we got and um, call to action from people. You know, that was the that was his I think the president's first ever uh campaign with the people to Mamina and um, you know we've got Raj and Raj Kumar saying that's important and another I think Anonymous also says to us here that um, you know you have South Africans and I think in this specific in this particular instance uh, you know he's referring to you know um, specific communities localized communities who say they're not a part of systems but it wouldn't necessarily attend inauguration wouldn't mm-hmm. want to make themselves a part of systems um, you know your thoughts on then South Africans now almost taking an ownership of of the inauguration or the presidency and saying, well, wait a second, we actually have something in place. Let's all try work and make it better. Definitely. And I think the unfortunate part is that often, too often when we get into a position like this where we feel like possibly the president of the elected is the right one, as citizens we take, we take a sort of a backseat to the ways in which things are governed. Um, so at this point, it would be more significant than any other point in our lifetime where we, we actually take out a step up to the, to the fore and say, these are some of the things that are changing for us, both nationally and, 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 and locally, and this is how we want to try and make an input. Um, and the ways in which we try and do that is to start organizing around our own communities so that we can ensure that our voices become more significant. You don't have to form an NGO or an NPO, but you can be significantly more involved in in the ways in which your actions... Brian, I want to offer to you, it's a very, very... um, You know, somebody even used the the battered woman syndrome in in the build-up to election. It's a very dejected public. You know, Mm. like, this is their fifth president and every time they think, oh, it's going to be better, it's going to be... My life is going to change. 25 years of democracy. There's amazing campaigns bussing in people to celebrate it but they say not too much change on the ground so you almost get a sense that you, you know, and, and taking voter turnout into mm. account in this election which <laughs> dropped to, I think it was about 62% or 65% um, you know one gets a sense that the South African is just you know too um, too heartbroken to love again Mm. And unfortunately, even with the low voter turnout, you also had quite a significant percentage of spoiled ballots in, this, yeah. in these elections, which was quite shocking because they mm. say if you get to about 2%, then that's when you must know that things are actually quite uh, problematic. Yeah. And we were at 1.5 something yeah. um, in terms of the spoiled votes in the country. And so um, I would encourage, unfortunately, we need to try to, as, as both as, as media as well as um, NGOs operating in the space to try and encourage people to, to just not be too dejected to not lose hope. Yes, there's a, pres- a sitting president. Yes, he will elect his cabinet, whomever they may be. But there are also avenues in our democracy that will allow us to participate a lot more significantly um, in the ways in which laws are formed and yeah. all of those sorts of yeah. things. And I think um, once we get into a position where we understand our own agency, we can start to see a lot more significant change that is not necessarily of the political system, but of our own doing in that instance. Let's, let's go to the phone lines quickly on this. Kali, hello? Uh, good day to you, Teresh, and uh, your guest. Eh? Mm-hmm. Teresh, my input is uh, uh, the welcome to the new president, Ramaphosa. Um, uh, there must be a quite significant change in the uh, in his cabinet, um, starting from the uh, uh, treasury, you know, the money affairs of the country. Uh, what I would like him to know and bring to the fore is the pensioners issue that's been prodded now. Uh, couple of thousands of us around the country, uh, if he could bring that urgently to the, you know, forward line. Whether we're going to get paid or whatever, what is the story? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Skull, okay. definitely. We'll put that on the agenda. I hope, the, hope the ANC yeah. allows him to do what he wants to do.
Yeah. All, all the best for the country. Thanks, Thank you for yes, taking my Kelly. call. No Bye. problem. Thank you for that. So there you go. Interesting points coming through there. Um, yeah, I think um, I think the the, the point um, also that one would like to uh, you know raise about this would be the issue of cracking off the whip. But let's do that in a short while because Daniel's just called us. Hello, Daniel. Hi, Teresh. Nice program, interesting. Mm, thank uh, you for calling. Teresh, I just want to talk as far as poverty is concerned. You know, a lot of people are claiming poverty, and I heard a preacher once says the property he's preaching from wasn't given by God. The tree was given by God, but he gave man wisdom, hands, and feet to use to create the pulpit. And I believe our people must stop waiting for the government to do things for them. They must start getting creative, use the end, the man, and the feet they got. Because one man as a president can't change his country. He takes the community, he takes the companies, the businesses around, and he takes the all of South Africa, every citizen, to make this country a better country. If we need to make a better country, let's not claim poverty. Let's try and work and don't wait for handouts. Let's work and try and do what we can together. Together we can make this a better country. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Mr. Chalem. We appreciate your call. Yeah, so there you go. I think, Brian, that, that, that as you said, a uh, speech of inspiration, and that's that's particularly interesting to see how South Africans have heeded that call. Tumamina still echoes through the sentiments there. Uh, I want to talk about cracking the whip, and I think it's going to lead us to Cabinet then. Um, and, I mean... One can really go as far as saying that as soon as the president came into office, um, he's in the Zondo Commission quickly did its work, and you had the so many other commissions, whether it is SARS, whether it is you know commissions of inquiry, portfolio committees, um, also new director of national uh, public prosecutions, um, a system in place. My question is. It's only ever going to yield a result, change anything, or even try and, as many are claiming, um, recoup the money if any actual, physical, tangible initiative or rather um, implementation takes place post it. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. And I think much of what's been missing from the commissions is tangible sort of justiciable evidence from that, that 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 emanates a lot of the stuff that we're hearing um is it's groundbreaking it's it's but for the most part it can be taken off the roll as saying hearsay so in the past we'd had um at least in the past 18 months you would have had the ndp deciding actually this is something that we need to start and prosecute um and it would seem as though they're responding to public pressure because you'd hear a month a week or two later they are dropping the charges because there's not enough evidence so at this point you would hope that because of the sanctity of that office being re, um, revived, um, you'd have an instance where prosecutions are not approached from a perspective of there's too much public pressure, we need to act on this or else, but as, as a result of actually, here's the evidence, here's what we can start to do and engage. And you'll have seen quite a lot of critique coming um, specifically in relation to the Public Protectors Office, where some of their reports haven't been reflecting the full story in terms of the information that's already out there in the public. So it's about what does the president and the commissions do about the work and evidence that's already out there because of wonderful journalists that have been doing the investigative part of it, yeah. as well as what is the, what, what is the NDPP's yeah. response right. in making sure that they're able to prosecute on that basis. And you know, and I ask you that because while 
President Ramaphosa is, has proven in the past 18 months that he's very capable of, of hitting the right notes, making the right noises about the right issues, and inspiring South Africans. Um, let's be honest, to his credit, he hasn't really made any drastic revolution. He hasn't, you know, really, really had that one moment where we can say our president did that. Mm. Um, I don't know if you concur with something like no, that. No, definitely, yeah. I would agree. I think he was biding his time as well when in, in, in terms of this whole process. He would not have wanted to appear as someone who is imposing his own um, sense of, of leadership on in, in, in the past 18 months because he hadn't had that democratic legitimacy that we had spoken about earlier. Um, but also, um, he wanted to be able to calculate what moves he needs to try and make for him to not be too exposed inside the ANC as well. Um, but of course, as a country, we expect a, a lot more of our sitting president. And I think this is a time when, we, when we've given him the democratic legitimacy and now we want him to, to try and action a lot of these things that he's already promised and put out there. Yeah. To the phone lines we go and then we talk about cabinet. And let's go to Mrs. Pele. Hello, Mrs. Pele. Thanks for holding. Mrs. Pele. Hello, I'm Mrs. Pele. I only like to ask you ANC two questions. Mm. You see, this country we are suffering, no light, no water, poverty. How can they throw away money yesterday, so many millions? And secondly, in all the cabinets in South Africa, they're not employing the coloreds, whites, and the Indians. Only the blacks are in everywhere, the ANC. And they say it's a democratic country. And they say, and they call others a racist, and they charge them, yeah. but they are racist. We we'll leave it there with you, Mrs. Pillay. Thanks so much. I think the democratic process of electing members of parliament, um, I think the process there is as per list, as per parties elected into office by your vote. And of course, those parties themselves um, provide lists of who are going to likely represent them. And so then once you vote for them at the election level, um, you can take into account what their party list looks like. If it doesn't suit your taste, then I think it, as, as, as uh, the democratic principle applies, you then have to decide who uh, to vote for or not. So I think that's how MPs are selected. Let's go to Colin Governor on the line. Hello, Colin. Good afternoon to you and the panels. This is Colin from Suzela. I just want to touch on a few things. Firstly, I want to, I want to congratulate Sir Ramos for the presidency. But what I want to say to you, from the time the ANC has, has uh, come into the governing, uh, has been governing this country, do you know how many times that the fuel price went up? What have they done? They've done very little. They blame the oil prices going up. As a party, they should be doing, you know, doing something about it. We are getting poorer. Secondly, can Cyril Ramaphosa and his ministers survive on the social ground that they get, they're getting. They're just meeting ends with me. They have to pay rent, they have to pay lights, they have to pay water, they have to pay for the food. There's an unemployment rate in South Africa is really high. What I like Sri Ramaphosa to do, forget about Puma, let's action. Let's, let, let's, let's not talk, let's there be action. Let this country improve. The corruption must stop. A lot of things must come to a standstill. Thank you very much. You have a nice day. Wonderful point, Mr. Governor. Here you go. You hear the sentiment of a South African 25 years into democracy wanting action. So, so I think that was a particularly important one to listen to there. Before we go to talk about cabinet, I want to go through to um, WhatsApp very quickly and go through the last batch of messages. 
Loga Naidu from Tongat. President Salamaposa will be better off with him. Uh, he will take care of all. Short and sweet there by Mr. Loga Naidu from Tongat. Thank you for the message. Um, and this text comes through from Viren Rajdeo of Harinagar. Uh, great topic. I think the president in appointing the ministers should ensure that the new appointments have a relevant post, matric qualification, um, that coupled with a proven track record. Ministers who have been too complacent include our Maite Mash- uh, Mashabane, Angie Motshecha, uh, Michael Masuta, David Mashlobo, among others. The president, um, the deputy minister post should be scrapped. Viren Rajdeo there. And he says also add Batabilet Lamini to the list of underperforming ministers. So there we go. The opinions coming through about what cabinet should look like. And of course, these are just opinions of many South Africans. I've got a voice note here. I don't know who it's from. Let's just listen and find out. Hi, Taresh. Great show. This is Itemba Labako Bazikile. It simply means giving hope for the disabled. The previous, the previous, the previous, and now the present are not saying anything much to do anything for the people with disabilities in our country. Sad to say, the man that's sitting there now in your chair talking to you about uh, the president's policies and stuff like that, work ethics. I am very disappointed being a disabled person, and I voice my opinion across the entire South Africa with regards to your topic this afternoon. And let me say, this now is becoming pertinent and is being uh, seen that the government doesn't care for the people with disabilities. And even NGOs and organizations, they can't do much as per se. So I would like to say that the president should bring disabilities into mainstream schooling and give them an equal opportunity and equal access to every single thing from kindergarten to tertiary to uh, a working career and also into government in power. Now our government uh, portrays uh, very little uh, disabled people in power as per se. So I would like you to expound or get your guy there at the chair to expand on this because it is very disappointing. Now. We have various forums on Facebook and other social media platforms where disability people are engaging. And one of the things that we are talking about currently is that the government is doing very little to create employment or or inclusion of disabled people in the working environment. What do you say about this, Tarish, and your friend in the panel? Powerful, and we're definitely going to get you an answer on that. And I think uh, while your uh, very powerful message was playing, we were talking here as a team. You know, we had a bit of a planning meeting ourselves, Rachel and I, as to you know what Newsbreak could do to really highlight this kind of issue. So thanks so much for that. Um, yeah, more messages before we wrap up and spend some time. Um, Spend some time with regard to cabinet. Rita says, thank you for the coverage. We need our country to be protected against criminals, unemployment, human trafficking, abuse, and we need livable pensions. We have a good president, and I trust your country, uh, our country will now have peace from the high fuel and electricity hikes. Our president must drop off gravy train riders and expensive shoppers from Rita. Two powerful points uh, that came through there. 
Brian, I think the first was pensioners and the issue of them being paid. As Scully called through a uh, lot of issues, you know, with regard to the 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 the, the, the contracts of the pay of the payment, etc. And we also had this anonymous gentleman talking to us about the representation of the people with disabilities on that speech, also the representation of climate change in the President's address. I want to, um, I think I just want to also remind you that uh, we do await the State of the Nation address, which is a bigger speech, one mm-hmm. with a bit more um, numbers and statistics. But your thoughts on these issues and, and how much it needs to top the national agenda? No, definitely. And I think um, on the basis of um, the, both uh, the issue of people with disabilities as well as social security around grants, um, one of the departments that have gotten quite significantly like tongue lashing over the past couple of years is the, the, the Department of um, Social Security um, and looking at how people, SASA grants and, and those types of instances have actually made the public to despair in terms of the presidency of Zuma as well as Batabeli um, Lamini's minister, uh, ministerial position in that, in, that, in that instance. So a lot of the work has to go into reassuring citizens that um, the most affected, the most sort of downtrodden and potentially uh, marginalized people in South Africa will continue to have the ear of the of, of the president as well as, as well as to make sure that they will be continued to be full citizens in that instance. And mm. sometimes um, it, it might not just be about employment and all of these things, but it's about ceremonial things. So, for instance, if you look at the election coverage, um, parts of it where the uh, the press briefing was press briefings were called, um, there were times when they forgot to have a, a, a sign language interpreter in that instance when, 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 when the IEC was doing some of its work. So some of those things when, uh, some are not intentional, but it's about how do we make sure yeah. that at all the times we're, we're conscious that we're not just living mm-hmm. amongst fully able-bodied individuals in that instance. Yeah, I think precisely that... Um Definitely food for thought. I think it's something that we, we really need to focus on in terms of taking that conversation forward. But I think five minutes left on the program now and time to wrap up. Still some more texts that have come through about uh, what President needs to look at and focus on. I want to spend some time now on Cabinet. I know it's just five minutes, uh, but I think listening to public sentiment was very important on a day like today. So we're expecting to find out what Cabinet is likely to look like by Monday, we're told. And... Muttering is about uh, a bunching up of an economic cluster. So a lot of, you know, because let's try and count it as best we can. At the top of our head, you've got Ministry of Finance, you've got um, small business development, you've got uh, um, economic development, Mm. you've got like so many economic (laughs) class, uh, you know, uh, offices, Mm. portfolios, uh, and the discussion about putting it all into one big economic cluster as as a mechanism to reduce um, and of course, cutting down in total of cabinet. Yeah. Mean, that's always been a discussion point. Mm. Your thoughts on cabinet, especially taking into account what was mentioned here about underperforming ministers. A lot of ministers implicated in wrongdoing, criticized for not doing enough. Um, you know, your thoughts on what kind of a thought process president needs to apply his mind to in appointing his cabinet? Yeah, so there's the the broader sort of numbers game that we have to consider in, in this instance. So there are about 36 ministries at the moment in South Africa. Um, there had been 28 during the time of Tawambeki's reign. At the moment, most people are saying we can do with about 25 to about 27, if not 28 uh, ministries in the country. Um, and a lot of the work that was done to expand these ministries was seen as 
in increasing Zuma's patronage network because he had to post um, that conference, make a lot of people happy because they were able to mobilize grassroots support for him. Yeah. So in this instance, when we uh, when Cesar Ramaphosa campaigned around making sure that he is able to get a leaner and m- much more significantly better working uh, min- ministries or cabinet in this instance, he was looking at cutting down the number of ministries and making sure that most of them are focused. When you talk about um, the, the the treasury, f- I mean the finance uh, ministry for instance, it, it it was broken down quite problematically. So for instance, um, when you look at education, surely education should encompass all levels of education so that the policy is able to speak and align to one another. You can't have a different mechanism of working with primary school education or basic education and then um, have um, your higher education institutions have to bear the burden of a basic, basic education that might be failing in those instances because these two ministries aren't necessarily speaking to one another. Yeah. So in bringing the, 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 the ministries down, the cabinet down, he has to ensure that he... he, he monopolizes on the synergies between the ministries in that instance. So which ministries need to work with each other, need to talk more often and engage in that instance. Yeah. So um, in, in, in working that, that's sort of the, the broader strategic aim insofar yeah. as just the cabinet itself. Yeah. I mean, it's not, yeah, I think from the, the takeaway from, from what you're saying as well would be, it's not so much about having a smaller, um, you know, a cabinet or, 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 or a portfolio of ministries, but it's also getting them to effectively cover the scope of demand mm. in terms of services and needs. Another thing, Brian, and this has often come up when it comes to cabinet reshuffles, cabinet appointments, um, you know, irrespective of the president, mm. whichever one it has been, uh, the president has had to do a balancing act to keep everybody happy. It's not about keeping the ministers happy. It's about keeping the public and South Africans happy, isn't it? Yeah. And unfortunately, it's, it's not necessarily even been about the ministries that are in office. It's about the ANC happy That's um, it. In, in that instance. So how do I ensure that when I make ca- cabinet appointments that I keep these people happy who are sort of counting on me to, to get them some salary um, that's above an MP salary in that instance. So um, at the moment, what we need to try and do as, 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 as South Africa is to say, this ministry needs to work in one, two, three ways. If it doesn't, we want you as a president to be able to take um, aim in that instance. But the other part of our ability to keep accountability on the executive or the cabinet in that instance is to ensure that the MPs that we put into place are actually asking the right questions at various points of the ways in which the cabinet itself might function. Yeah. So hopefully we have a lot less uh, deputy ministers because most of us recognize that we don't know what their work is if mm-hmm. there's a director general of each of the ministries in, in yeah. that instance as in, that's, in, that's employed as an official. Yeah. So the ministry, even the minister's work, yeah. um, it needs to be aligned to the set of skills that they already possess. Uh, we know they might not necessarily have PhDs in, in, in that work, but to some extent you must have demonstrated some interest in, in, in that. So, for instance, you can't have an arts and culture minister like Unati because um, Unati mm. doesn't come from an arts background and yeah. necessarily yeah. doesn't necessarily speak yeah. to what the arts... And, and um, you know, if you look at it, you speak. know, you get... Um, you know, police minister Fiki Lembalula goes to sport and you just think, well, this man's quite talented or yeah. what? You know, yeah. So you've got to think about <laughs> the way it's applied. But our time has run out, Brian. Quickly, let's just try and go to WhatsApp because I think a message here for you. Hi, Taresh and Brian, very optimistic regarding our country's future. Uh, we need to be involved in some way or the other to contribute guidance. And that's from Mrs. Mohammed. Thanks very much for that. Uh, another text from Ramba. She, she says... Uh, uh, um, first and foremost, the crime rate in this country must improve. Thanks so much, Rama. Thank you so much for listening to us and the kind words that you shared with us as well. And violent. This is from the. This is from Tulsi. Uh, hope. No, sorry, guys. I think this. 
here we go. This is from Tosi Subramani. We have violent crimes. Every other person has a gun. And we need to relook at the justice system in this country. South Africans, though, Brian, very, very optimistic. And also uh, alert and aware of what they want done. Mm. Is the president going to listen to them? I think we have more likelihood of getting him to listen in the next three months than we would have any other time. If we apply the right amount of pressure now and we ensure that we are engaged in the politics of the day, I think we're likely to see the results coming through. But as long as we, we make sure that the first 90 days that some work is done, they say the first 100 days is when we're actually trying to optimize on our ability as a citizenry to hold them accountable. Yeah. Yeah, if we yeah. lose that, then it <laughs> sure. doesn't look good. Wonderful. Brandon Plongo, Senior Programs Officer, Democracy Development Program. Thanks so much for your time. And we look forward to having you back in studio, maybe to talk to us about the way Cabinet looks. Expected to find out about that by tomorrow, but we'll keep you posted if anything comes up sooner. So we'll end the broadcast now. It came away courtesy of the team executive producer, Salma Patel and Rachel Wadi. He has shown it now with news so from Meetarish. Hey, have an awesome day. News break. Lotus FM, powered by SABC News.